As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, it's not mundane, it's not normal, it's advanced. The civilizations that you know it are in the past and we are in the future. This isn't for your mom or your dad or your your kid brother or sister. Advanced, baby, advanced. And maybe some murder on the Orient Express, who knows. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, Guelph, Ontario, greatest place in the world, maybe. Boo. <laughs> no <laughs> I, chance. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to defend that at all. <laughs> I'm abandoning that concept. Um, you are listening to CFRU, as I said, and this show is Android's Dungeon, a show about games and movies and music and other stuff and kind of like changes every day. But if you got a problem with it, that's your opinion, man. Uh, I am joined by the lovely and mustachioed. I've always wondered how to pronounce that. Mustachioed or mustached? <laughs> mustachioed sounds a lot cooler, yeah. Yeah, uh, Joel Bryant. Say hello, Joel. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, would you consider yourself a Guelphie? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. What's, it, what's the difference between a Guelphie and a townie? You know what? I'll take the townie label. That's fine. <laughs> I would say... Uh, Maybe I can distinguish myself from not being a townie totally, because to me, I guess townie implies you, this is kind of like where you've been. This is it. Whereas maybe a, a Guelphy, uh, somebody who's it's like your your forward operating base is Guelph, Ontario, but maybe you've you've stuck your tendrils out to like Kingston or South Korea or some other places. So it's this isn't the only place you you've known. Right. So you're from here, but you're not exactly of here. Yeah, and, and definitely not because I was I was born not of Guelph but of Toronto, mm. which might fulfill Macbeth prophecy somewhere, but. <laughs> I think our good friend Mark, who loves definitions and tearing his friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Uh, ketchup? Heinze. Yeah. Um, said that a townie is someone who came here for university and decided to stick around. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not? Yeah. I, I don't know. We, we can... The jury's out on the terms. <laughs> I've, I've never heard that one before. I could... I, can understand, I, I don't disagree with that, that idea, but I don't know if townie would be what I would default to for that. What I feel like... You are an expat of I'm a foreigner. <laughs> you don't, you don't belong here. Stranger in a strange land. <laughs> He's got to go right back to where he came. Who's gonna show this stranger around? <laughs> <laughs> Was that Pink Floyd? Is it you're doing? It might be. <laughs> uh, ooh, I need a dirty woman. That's um. Oh, I'm flubbing it. Anyway, from the wall, whatever. Great Cue song. <laughs> we'll, I'll look it up. Let's go straight into song. Right <laughs> it was just such a good intro. We have to cut to it. Uh, I will look it up in a second. It's it's killing me. I used to be able to sing. Here's a little fact about Jack. I used to be able to sing the wall from start to finish. No yeah. problem. Nice. Um, I couldn't play it, <laughs> but I could sing it. The movie's great. Absolutely insane. Tons of fun. Um, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Aside from the big mama that we will... Uh, oh, mama. Oh, mama. 
Ah, uh, what have I been playing? Johnny oh, Bravo's Warcraft comeback. 3. <laughs> Are you still on? I'm obsessed. I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, just let's give let's give our listener a taste of how much War 3 have you been playing. Uh, been, uh, <laughs> I got like the second icon, which you need, I think, 50 <laughs> random wins to get. All right. Well, that's that's a decent amount. Fif- but that's wins, folks. That's not just games played. What's, what's your win-loss ratio right now? Uh, I was 54. I think I'm... Just about right at 50 now. Okay, that's pretty good. And are you finding, because like, you you're, you used to play it a lot, now you're back into it. We've talked about this a little bit on the show. Are you noticing a big difference in the gameplay? Has the game changed a lot since you were playing? Strategies are crazy, man. Yeah. You get high enough and all of a sudden these people are, uh, you know the guy, uh, I don't know if you know him, but he summons a little beetle and nobody oh, ever yeah, played the him Lord. before. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's playing it, especially Undead Mare. Like, if you're Undead versus Undead, apparently it's really good. And now, is it just because... Because I always thought the main thing when you're playing these games, you either have insane micro that you can, like... You're killing everything and you're not getting hit and you're just, like, you're cycling your units out so they're staying alive as long as possible. I always thought the other thing was that you want to have way more units. And that's what Undead seemed to be very good at was, like, you buy a wand, you make some skeletons, you get the Crypt Lord, you've got... Uh, you're making beetles out of corpses and stuff, so you've automa- automatically got an advantage on the other guy with just sheer numbers. Is that correct, or am I off base? Sure, but it's generally been um, common knowledge in uh, Warcraft that summons are bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with if you go Keeper of the Grove and you make the Treants, yeah. or uh, like you said, with the uh, Crypt Lord and the Beetles. And the reason for it is it takes, <clears throat> it takes a lot of mana to make a summon, yeah. and every race has a very easy way to dispel it. Dispel is something that just gets rid of a summon. Well, Night Elf, obviously, because the, do the pools dispel? The Wisps. The Wisps, they, they self-destruct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which um, also takes away mana from the hero. Oh, yeah, yeah. So is that a strategy then? Like, do if you're playing Night Elf, or if you get random into Night Elf and some enemy here runs up, do you suicide Wisps always into them, or is it not worth it? Uh, if they're trying to kill it, obviously, they don't get the experience and you uh, do something to them. Yeah. Um, but no, not usually. Uh, wisps uh, stay at the base and yeah. mine wood. Sometimes they scout. They're great at scouting. Why? Uh, because they can mine wood anywhere. They don't have to bring it back. So they can just, so go just park them in the corner of a base. trees and... all over the map and oh, find I see. out when your opponents show up. Interesting. All right. So big question of the day. What race do you like getting random into? I really like human, which is funny because human is known as sort of like everybody hates it. But, you know, you've sometimes you've got to play it, especially in you know, like a tournament or something because it's it's strong, but it's kind of. Um, everything has low health, mm-hmm. requires a lot of micro, requires a lot of focus. Your your main hero is really weak because it's an arc mage and everything. Everyone's going to focus fire down with... So you always you always pick the mage? You've got to, yeah. Now why is that? For the, the aura? For the aura, the water elemental is just one of the most powerful Another good units summon, in the game yeah, yeah. and it's free. Yeah. yeah. A detonate will not kill a water elemental. It has that much health. Uh-huh. Okay, so... This is interesting. <laughs> like I said, we've uh, we've talked about this before, but my when I played War Ladder, it was just a whole different world. I just like built stuff and had tried to have fun with it, <laughs> and then I didn't have fun magically. It's a whole new world. But now coming from StarCraft Two, where I realized there are all these build orders and people are getting things down to the second. Not that they didn't do the Brood War War Three, but just my exposure to the competitive scene in this has completely changed my perspective on how people play these 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 RTSs. Now, do you know if people, when they, did they ever do anything like this for Command & Conquer? Or was it usually just reserved for, like, the, the Blizzard games? or uh... mm, Command & Conquer Generals Zero Hour had a very big um, PvP following. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, no. 
Interesting. Red Dawn, everything. I think that was just not too wacky and imbalanced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Zero Hour, for some reason, like they have these really powerful infantry units, which is really rare. You have this tiny little dot on the map that mm-hmm. can like kill like five tanks if you, <laughs> if you place it right. And uh, yeah, it's, it was wild and it was really good. Uh-huh. And I played that, I don't know, year and a half or so. Not n- not nearly as long as all the other ones. Yeah. Well, there's something about the... There's also the aesthetic. I find... I didn't grow up with Command & Conquer, so that, that doesn't help. But to me, there's something that appears just sort of sort of timeless about the cartoony style of War 3. Mm. That, like, the, the, the gameplay's still there, but there's, it's like they didn't try to go for photorealism or this weird sort of... Um, Oh, I forget what they did for Command and Conquer. It was, it was either voxels or um, this strange sort of isometric uh, look to it. But it, it just looks really dated and ugly yeah. by today's standards. Versus War Three, which isn't pretty, but it's it looks it's its own thing. Yep. So, um, I love real time strategy. It's really it's my number one game. I mean, if you're looking at uh, what am I most competitive at when I play games? It's chess. Mm-hmm. And then you just take that into a video game world and you're just going to get into the real-time strategy games. and It's always great. So when we saw so we saw a movie last night, but normally what you do, and anyone's seen a movie recently, at least the Cineplex will notice, they do these things for these eSport tournaments that I'm very curious about who's actually paying to see these at... Uh, uh, at the theaters, or, or I'm assuming you watch them like streamed live somewhere, or maybe, God forbid, you go in person to watch some people play some games. But um, w- Joel made a comment a little while ago about uh, like the games they were playing always looked very dull, at least from our perspective. They're either sports games or uh, these Marvel or, or these Capcom fighting games, which I've never played really. Like I didn't grow up with again, and the the, the community is just completely alien to me. But what we, I think you missed it last night because you didn't get to see this one, but they had a CSGO uh, tournament. Oh. Now, they didn't show any clips because I think it's too violent <laughs> to show <laughs> in the, before a movie starts. But uh, to me, that was like the only time I've ever seen one of these and I was remotely interested in what, like how people were playing. And it was, it was super nerdy to the, uh, uh, because they were kind of doing these interviews with people, but they always have their, like their gamer tag name <laughs> underneath. So it's like, <laughs> and it, none of them were nice. super awful, but it was just weird enough that it's like, when you're addressing somebody as like, I don't know, what's your War 3 name? Uh, well, right now it's Sean Baines Die. <laughs> 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 a friend of mine back home who had trained up and when I went home he was the guy that had been practicing to beat me so I, that's what I named it I can't believe you're allowed to have that name in a world you get banned for everything you're, you have an open death threat in your name we'll just say it's Keebler Sage how about that so Keebler, Keebler okay. like the elves okay so there you go Keebler Sage so it'd be like having a conversation <clears throat> Uh, Keebler Sage, what did you think about that play at two minutes and 30 seconds? And then it cuts in and you have like the picture of Joel there with his like special shirt that's got like <laughs> yeah. breathing holes in it. So it's he's got all sweaty and logo. It's <laughs> like Intel and all that garbage. <laughs> and then it's like uh, uh, Keebler Sage, Team Liquid. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually I'd be on Team Sage because Sage, Sage was me. my clan. I didn't realize that. <laughs> that was uh, and it. And I'm surprised it took him so long to get like official clan support because it always, I think for StarCraft 2, what did you have? You were allowed one name change. And that was usually what people would do is they'd, 
like you, you you achieve your clan name or you get on your team and you do like oh, uh, 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 Omni Keebler or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you do the underscore. The underscore, like yeah. the, the square brackets or some odd flourish, of some sort, yeah. <laughs> which was always scary when you're playing a game with randos and like this guy with some tag shows up. It's looking tough. Oh, jeez, is he good? It was always the mark of a pro to have like a lot of caps and then not caps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tough like, guy. Oh, shit, this guy must be serious. Well, cap everyone knows like proper capitalization and like uh, dispensing with the Hungarian notation is for noobs. <laughs> Everyone just does what they want. Um, yeah, War 3, great, great, great. Um, I've been playing something recently that I've been trying to, I, I sort of was trying to talk Joel into trying at least, but it's, um, it is a game that's been out for a while on the PlayStation 4, but finally made it to the PC, which is a good sign of things because anytime something that was considered to be console exclusive shows up on a different console, unless you're the most ardent fanboy it's a good thing. More people can play it, more people can experience it, especially if it's a good game. I, I don't care if it's like, I don't know, Dance Dance Revolution 20, and it's, it was only on the Xbox, but the game is Neo, which was a game by Koei Tecmo, who has a terrible reputation for um, PC ports. I, I forget what the last one was that they did, but it was just considered to be like, for some reason the Japanese are just terrible at <laughs> taking things from consoles and putting them on the PC. They just do the bare minimum, and there are exceptions. I think Dark Souls three was a pretty good port minus the fact that uh, sometimes your computer would crash if you looked at a fire <laughs> but <laughs> you, could, you could change that right just don't look at the fire man yeah just don't look at it or turn the settings down but anyway uh, the game is called neo and you basically it, it's absurd and fun right from the get-go you play uh, based on a historical based on history you play this uh, famous fellow named uh, irishman named uh william something william kelly william keller whatever and you start off the game in the Tower of London, because you you were a freebooter, a privateer who worked for the uh, the English Navy, and now they betrayed you, like they did those dogs. And then you think everything's okay, or everything's hopeless, when all of a sudden your your ancient Gaelic guardian spirit shows up. I did get Scottish again. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and uh, it's and she talks to you and she says, "Do this, William." And you punch a hole in a brick wall, <laughs> and, then, and then you get your freedom, and then you're beating people up and you're stealing things, and just when you think you're out, all of a sudden. Uh, the Queen's Alchemist has pulling a fast one in Japan and is trying to break the company up, or country apart to get magical stones, and that's no good because he stole your magical guardian spirit too. And you think you're going to beat him up? The one with the the accent? Uh, what's that? <laughs> the one that is it? The one with the accent that you had just a moment ago? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that got stolen. Well, so too because bad. it's like you you just you thought things were gone, and then and then she's gone again. And then all of a sudden, the executioner of the Tower of London comes after him. You beat him up, no problem. And then just he turns into a giant monster, and you beat him up, no problem. And then you get knocked off the wall, and then you end up in Japan for some reason. Ah, <laughs> and you're running around. Land in Japan. Exactly. You t well, you take some boats, and most of them don't make it. Who cares? But you get there. That's the big deal. And what's cool about the game is it's a mix of Diablo, Dark Souls, and Ninja Gaiden. And it's a very quick game, but it's got the stamina and health, and you die super quick like Dark Souls. And when you die, your stuff stays on the ground, and you have to get back to it. Because if you die again, it's gone, and you have to start from scratch again, and you level up. But what's the Diablo part comes in is that all the monsters drop loot, and the loot's randomly generated. So there's different colors to it, so you have different rarities, and you get set bonuses for wearing more of them. And you craft stuff, so you get resources, and you can kind of forge them and do all these neat things with them. And the game is very obtuse or, or opaque in that a lot of the the sort of mechanics of it are kind of hidden, and you have to do some research on them. And, and some of the writing is very bizarre in that, like, oh, that's what they mean when they say that. All right, whatever, that's fine, I can deal with that. 
but it's just absolutely ridiculous and fun. And it's got this lovely Sengoku period art style that I'm just absolutely fascinated with. And you run around these with these wooden huts that are on fire with your giant samurai swords. And, you, and all the armor you pick up fits perfectly, so don't worry about that. And nice. you're just swapping gear and ganking fools, pirates, and giant demon, giant demons everywhere. And it's, it's a very satisfying game, but it is not easy unless you're kind of cheesing it in some ways, which all those games can be cheesed to an extent. But What do you think was the first game that did that mechanic of... Uh, you die, your stuff left behind. Because the two things that I think might have been started it was either Minecraft or World of Warcraft uh, way back in the day. Did did Warcraft punish you? Because like, you were a ghost. You had to go back and get it, but you couldn't lose it, could you? Like no, if you logged off. No, not to that extreme, no. Yeah. But sort of like uh, something stays behind yeah, yeah, I know when what you you're talking die about. kind of mechanic. I don't know. I'm kind of rap- I'd have to think about that because there's no way, excuse me, that Dark Souls is the one that started it. Um, and Minecraft definitely did it. But with Minecraft, was it timed? Would it disappear or was it always there? It was always timed. Yeah. You had, I don't know, five minutes to get back to your stuff or it's gone. And usually for me, it was like in Minecraft, if I died, odds are I'm never getting it back because I'm so far away or I died in lava and it just got incinerated anyway. So That's that was bad, Jack. Yeah. Well, everyone knows that, <laughs> which makes me want to play Minecraft again. But there was, uh, I think Dark Souls popularized the mechanic. And I think it's great because... Like, the first time you're running through, obviously, you're being careful. Like, you, you, nobody wants to have their progress in a game just like, stop. Yeah. But the second time, that's when you really don't want to lose again. So you start <laughs> you start creeping around a little slower, and you're, like, looking around corners a bit more, and you're you're playing more defensively versus... Uh, it's as, there until you die again. Exactly. There, there's, so there's no time limit, but... It's such a anyone who's ever played these games before, and you haven't played any of the Dark Souls games, have you? Maybe a bit of one. Yeah, a bit of one. A bit of one, which that frustrating. Anyway. About halfway through the intro. Uh, oh, jeez, <laughs> it's too bad. But I feel like every game now is compared to Dark Souls, and I think is uh, let me yeah. uh, describe the mechanic as I understand it yeah, as yeah. an outsider. There is. Um, um, sort of an elevating skill level where you need to develop reactions based off of patterns. Mm. Uh, there are difficult bosses. Uh, usually they follow a certain pattern. Once you figure out those patterns, you'll have a better chance. Yeah. There's usually some kind of dodging, some kind of parrying. Yeah. Uh, so it's m- mainly that combat mechanic that I'm thinking of. And then now every game that has that combat mechanic, people say, oh, it's a Dark Souls this game. But it's, there's got to be something that came before Dark Souls, which, which is it's just the most popular one that people know. At this well, time. games have been difficult for a long time. The problem is <laughs> that the people our age remember difficult games. Like it, we grew up with the NES and Super Nintendo and Sega and PC games that were just... Like Contra Battletoads. Oh, yeah, just like these games that were, like, part of them were designed to eat quarters, so there's this cynical element of difficulty to them that it's you can almost see the, the person like, <laughs> feed me quarters, idiot. Yeah. But there was also, it was still fair at the same time. Like, you could uh, get through <coughs> them all without, like, spending, you spend one quarter and you can get to the end if you knew what you are doing. It wasn't just, like, a total joke versus someone that's like Dragon's Lair, which is pure trial and error, but... I think now the problem is that you have people that have forgotten the face of their father. They've forgotten where <laughs> they have come from. And they everything that's remotely difficult, it's like Dark Souls. It's Dark Souls. It's Dark Souls. Dark Souls. Yeah. It's Dark Souls of this. Dark Souls of that. It's like Dark Souls is a great game. Don't get me wrong. But Demon Souls was before Dark Souls. So why not call them Demon Souls? It's to like, be fair, there are a lot of ripoffs. There's, you know, um, Salt and Sanctuary, which is basically ugh. just describing two, 2D, yeah, yeah. two functions in Dark Souls and then goes 2D. Um, 
Dead Cells. Dead Cells. It's not even trying to hide the fact that it's a ripoff. Yeah, and it's Dead Cells is more like now you're starting to get into the whole mix between like what's you're, it's like Metroidvania. That's one of these terms that's been beat up a little bit, but I'd call Dead Cells more of a rogue influenced rogue light metroidvania and that you, you lose that's it like you don't have a chance to come back to your body in dead cells for example so the whole in principle is that you got to make this run really good and you got to invest for future runs because you will lose there's no well maybe you could theoretically make it to the the end very first try um i'd like to see you do it it's really that'd be impressive good luck. yeah good luck uh versus something that like there's this really neat i'm gonna shell a game here that nobody seems to appreciate uh it was a pc game released by some ex-monolith employees those are guys who did uh no one lives forever and fear and uh my beloved blood um but it was a game set in uh basically uh i'd say um spanish invasion of uh, South America and North America, just like they, they kind of amalgamated some concepts here, but it's first person souls-like in the sense that the monsters, when you die, they all come back. And if you die, your stuff stays there. But what got it is it has this very strange style to it. It's all monochrome. So it's all black and white and it's got this beautiful uh, sound design in that uh, there's no music or anything uh, for the most part. There's just the sound of wind and the sound of leaves and grass rustling. And enemies can hear you and they can see you, so you gotta hide in the grass and get closer to them. And they, if they get close to you and smack you, they beat you up, no problem. So you have to be very stealthy on this. But it was a very scary game simultaneously because it's just, you just have this tremendous sense of being alone in this world and all the odds are stacked against you. And you're slowing, piece, slowly piecing together like the reason why you're here and uh, the reason may shock you. <gasps> but it's a really cool little game, and it's a good example of somebody taking these concepts of <clears throat> difficulty, not artificial. Artificial difficulty is uh, something that nobody should be striving for, but making a difficult game that feels rewarding when you succeed, which is overcoming an obstacle. And that's what, some of these ga- that's what a good game does, is when you, just like a board game too, like if you, like for Feast for Odin, for example, if you manage to puzzle your board out really nicely, I feel like you've overcome your own sort of personal puzzle, and you've also responded to how your opponents were affecting the board game as well. But yeah. so sort of describing all of those functions, how does your new game stand up? It's Sorry, I forgot the name. Neo. 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 I forget what it stands for. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, the if I have some criticism, it's that. Um, <clears throat> the levels get a little bland after a while because what they do is what really separates is that Dark Souls was really good for its world building. You feel like they almost did this thing where they build the world and then they think about how it'd be cool for a player to interact in it versus which is kind of a neat way to do it like they did that for System Shock 2 and that they built a spaceship and they made okay what sort of functional things do you need to have in the spaceship all right now we build a game around these sections and make the player go through it. So Dark Souls kind of does that to an extent Um, whereas Neo kind of feels like all right, we have a Japanese village. All right, we have a Japanese shrine. All right, we have a Japanese mining village. We have some caves. And the levels just don't feel very, like there's really very little that you look in them. And you they think, don't matter? It's like, yeah, they're just, they happen to be objects in it's my like, way. It's like the background in Street Fighter. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> you care it's that like, it's there. It, it's, it's a neat thing. I like it. It makes me think I'm fighting in South America or somewhere, but it's... Maybe, maybe uh, Dark Souls is more comparable to the background or the map in uh, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, it's... it's more. It's, it matters. It matters. You're, you're dodging under the, the... You're avoiding the R-wings and you're kind of like uh, parrying people. Not parrying, but like uh, edge guarding uh, some of these spots there. So, yeah, I, that's a, actually a decent comparison. So, yeah. pretty cool. Yes! 
But yeah, Neo is pretty good. You can get it for the PC. It's uh, and it comes with all the expansion and everything. And as far as I can tell, it's really well optimized. Minus the fact that the hard drive space is ridiculous. It's like 70 gigs unpacked completely, which is atrocious. Nobody attempted to try to compress this whatsoever. <laughs> it's just like, what, what was the Blu-ray? 70 gigs, good enough. <laughs> that's, that's reasonable. <laughs> and poor old Jack has a, like 120 gig SSD that like- oh, <laughs> poor soul. The majority of it's being sucked up by Windows right now. <laughs> so it's like, I, I literally was looking here at a graphical representation of my hard drive and looking at things <laughs> and being like, do I need that? Yeah, <laughs> some <laughs> central cab file. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Well, you know you're desperate when you're searching, like, um, <laughs> you're looking do up. Do I need page file? Do I need, do I need page file? It's like, nah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you, might, you might have a problem if you delete it. You might. Know. And you're, you're starting to delete backups because, yeah, <laughs> it's all right. So I don't need those later. I thought, I, I thought the, a terabyte fell at your um, Not a terabyte. I've got uh, another one. That's something else, but uh, I like the bottom line is I'm being lazy because I do have options, but I need to. If only someone I knew knew some about computers and I could set aside some time with me and just Easy swap peasy. out some drives. But regardless, it's it is so much fun. You enjoy it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have the right job, Jackie. <laughs> Let me just say. I like I like building them. Nobody I don't like enjoys it stuff. as much as I do. <laughs> Nobody does no it better. <laughs> oh no, we're singing different songs. <laughs> 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 Painful. Um, all right. Well, what do you want to do? Do you want to move on to uh, advanced let's, let's, let's play a song. All right, we'll play a song. We'll be back in a second. Stay tuned. This is called Young Lust. <laughs>
I wonder why he hung up. There must be someone there beside your wife to answer, and then he hung up. What? And what could it mean? So we found out the name of the song because obviously we forgot when we were talking at the beginning. That's Young Lust by Pink Floyd from uh, The Wall. Uh, great song. <laughs> I love The Wall. I really do. I think it's a song about a guy from Ladner, B.C. coming to uh, Guelph, Ontario. <laughs> Just looking to have a good time. Because <laughs> that's where that's where I would definitely recommend somebody from Latin or BC come for a good time. <laughs> you know, you're, you're Thailand, screw that. I've heard, great, <laughs> heard great things about Gelp. <laughs> Gelp. Gelp, Actually, Gelp know, Ontario. There might be something there. You know, like the university is very uh, skewed. Uh, Guelph, Ontario? Yep. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that at times. But at the end of the day, you're in Guelph. So you got to think like. <laughs> on the other hand. On the other hand. You so got to go to Trappers to meet them. Trappers. Uh, I, I don't never set foot in Trappers, actually, which is funny for someone who would call himself a Guelphite. Never been to Trappers. Uh, never been to Palachi. Uh, there are probably a lot of bars. I've only been to Frankenstein's once. Frankenstein's, tell me what it, what's it like inside? It's exactly what it looks like from the outside. <laughs> it's, 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 Everything you ever dreamed of? Uh, I think I was there for... I was there with my friend Andrew once. This was probably 2000, 2008, 2007, and we met some other people. You're in your prime. I was in my prime, and it was warm outside, and it was hot inside, and that was that. That was the evening. That was that. Yeah. So, Frank, this is not meant to be an endorsement or an endorsement. What's the opposite of endorsement? I don't know, determined. Determined? Yeah, all right. <laughs> this just haven't been to a lot of places, so that's that's that. Um, so this weekend was kind of, I would say this was the unofficial Joel birthday uh, yeah. event. And uh, Joel likes nothing more to do on his birthday than uh, stand, ar- stand around partying uh, for 14 hours straight. Talk to people. Talking to people, occasionally lying to them. Um, although I think the the Joel Bryant Jack Runge seal, <laughs> seal guarantee. the guarantee remains solid. Because <laughs> I don't think I, no whammies, man. No whammies. If I say no whammies, <laughs> no whammies. Uh, we got to play Advanced Civilization again. So it's probably been about seven months. What do you think? Eight months? Yeah, yeah. Usually we try for every four or five months, but this was, yeah. Did it, was it longer? Seven or eight months. I think it was February maybe even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah. Um, Joel, give us a rundown of Advanced Civ just to refresh people who haven't listened in eight months. Not that we've been on for eight months anyway. Advanced Civ falls under the genre of the Epic Game. An Epic Game is a game that usually runs in rounds. And I was thinking about what breaks down an Epic Game. There's an actual definition of Epic Game? No, I'm making it up as I go. (laughs) I mean, Uh, of course there is. (laughs) Usually, the game is made up of rounds that run anywhere between, say, maybe 45 minutes and an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And there's usually... um, It depends on the game, but... Several of these rounds, uh-huh. uh, which means that an epic game ends up running upwards of five or six hours. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair definition? I'd say so. If it... I was just thinking of every epic game I could think of, and there's no games where... Under two hours minimum. Yeah. The rounds need to have lots of steps. Yep. Uh, the steps don't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be difficult to be an epic game. No. It just needs to 
involve a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and it's not, we need to be clear here. This isn't, we're not talking about wasted time for the most part. It, it's, I like to say for the first eight, nine hours, I was like, you snap your fingers, I'm gone. It's, I didn't think about it at all. You blinked and it was gone. I have to say the last few hours dragged for me. Me too. And it was partially fatigue and partially uh, it seems like kind of starting to become a foregone conclusion. Well, it didn't help too that I, I feel like, um, now this isn't the takeaway, the spoiler, Joel won. And I didn't want to take away, I don't want to take away from your victory, but I felt like it didn't help the rest of the table when we lost two players. No. Um, specifically the one player who I thought was going to run away with the game at the first place, Mark, uh, who was in Egypt. So we've gotten ahead of ourselves here. The, so a quick rundown is the game is split up into basically imagine somebody took a snapshot of the world um, and then forgot about North and South America. The old world. The old world. And you've got and no Australia and only the, the, the tip of Africa. What would you say? Just the tip. Just the tip of Africa. Yeah. Um, and then you basically randomly assign civilizations from those era, uh, those eras, and you could be the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Cretans, the um, the the Africans, and so on. Uh, and you take up the civilization, you pick a spot on the board, and then you start branching out. You're sending out your people. They're, you're making more people, and then after you get enough people, you move into a spot and you build a city. And every city you have at the end of a round allows you to take a trade good or a resource good from these piles. And then you trade these resources for sets. And the more you have of a certain type of thing, the more valuable it is. And you take these cards that you have that are lots of value and you go up to a, like, a table that's on the other side and there are a bunch of things on there like... There's like medicine and there's things like uh, mysticism. It's all these technologies and you trade in your goods to sim uh, to basically simulate the idea of your, your culture growing and learning new things. And um, as you buy these, they get cheaper. The other techs get cheaper because you've kind of learned a little bit about them and there's a discount for them. And it's all peachy and happy and nothing bad ever happens to you. <laughs> <laughs> Play the wrong clip. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ever happens to you. Whoops, hold on. This it was Whoops. Dad, you did it. Wrong. There it is. That's what <laughs> I was going for. It took me a little bit. Nothing bad ever happens to you. Wrong, which is um where the real meat and potatoes of I think advanced comes in. Because in each of these piles are calamities. And the good news is that some of them are better than others and that you can trade some of them as well. The bad news is that some of them are non-tradable and some of them are way worse than others. And uh, that's where the real game comes from because you will get a calamity. There's no question about it. It's how you respond to it and how long it takes for you to rebuild your civilization that will separate the the men from the boys in this case. And how you plan for it. Because mm -hmm. you gotta you gotta plan to expect calamities and get <clears> your <throat> sort of get your buffers in order, you know? Yep, and yep, yep. think about okay, I'm gonna I wanna build a city. Uh, it's gonna cost me a lot of my resources. I really want it here. Yeah. What happens if a calamity hits? And that's a good point because there are spots on the map that are there are volcano spots, there are floodplains, there are uh, coastal regions, there are parts at the end of a map. 
And if you, there are all these calamities that take into effect various locations of your cities and can hurt you as such. There's some that have nothing to do with you. You can just have a guy across the map who doesn't like the way your face looks and decide to give you, <coughs> you guys are sick too. <laughs> Epidemic. Epidemic. Or you can be uh, the beneficiary of a calamity. You're sitting there and maybe things aren't going great for you or maybe you've just done some crazy moves and now you've got this crazy surplus stock for some reason. And all of a sudden Joel's people are arguing that red is the best color. No, blue is the best color. Screw you guys. There's a civil war, and now you're taking half of his stuff, possibly. Yeah, and the more ahead you are, the worse the civil war is for you. Exactly. So the game has this neat way of not only is it simulating the rise and falls, rising and falling of these civilizations, but it also... Um, somebody who's doing really well isn't necessarily going to do really well for an entire game. And it's almost the odds are stacked against them that they're going to get worse stuff because they're doing so great. But they will have had so many advantages up to that point that it should be able, <clears throat> excuse me, should be mitigated by all the, the good things that have been happening to them. It's, it's just quite the experience. And I don't think anyone, you tell people, like, oh, what did you do? I played a 14 hour game. How dumb. That's stupid. Mm mm. Mm-mm. Eight Wait. hours, believe me. Eight hours gone in a in a blink. Well, you described one round really well, right? Because basically, you, you described every phase of it. Yeah. For every city you get, you get two dollars. Yeah. Then all your people double. Yeah. Well, not quite double, but for every space has one, you make one. Every space has two, we make two. Mm-hmm. And you can build ships if you want, and then you move those people. Yeah. If you move those people into places with other people, then they can't all fit. They There's fight a, war. a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, if you have a whole bunch of people in one place, it makes a city. What's next? Um, once the cities are built, if you have more people than fit on a space, they go away, yep. they die, they starve. And then for every city you have, you get a card. And the more, the higher the number the city is, the better the card you'll get. For example, six, sevens, <coughs> and eights are much better than twos and threes and fours. Yep. Um, but obviously there's always that risk of the higher the number, the more brutal... Uh, the calamity you might draw is as well. And that's when, that's where the, and like I was saying, the, with the calamity stuff, some are tradable, some aren't. And when you get the non-tradable, you just, you look your, you look down, you wipe the dirt off yourself, and you, you got to move forward. The tradables, though. <laughs> <laughs> so the way trading works, and this is where the, the social part came, and we'll get into the issue I think we both agree with in this game we just played, is that you, it turns into panic on Wall Street for a second, and you're running around hustling. And you're like, okay, I'm, uh, I need, I need some more uh, silver. Who's got some silver? Oh, I got some silver. I'm looking for some oil. Oh, I've got one oil, but it's part of my. Or I've got a couple of oils, but it's part of a set. Would you take this instead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's other people going around. Thing is, you always have to trade minimum of three cards. Two of these cards, you have to tell the truth, and you say the first card, then the second card, and then the third card. The third card is where you slip in the calamities. <laughs> so you've made a deal. Uh, I say to Joel, Joel, I need, I need three hides. Can you make me a deal for three hides? Joel says, sure. Sold. Two hides and a civil... No, I can't trade four. <laughs> two hides and a treachery. Two hides and treachery, except he doesn't say treachery. He says two hides and an ochre, a worthless ochre. And I am blinded by my greed. Or I just accept the fact that I need these things. Was it just me or was ochre just code for a calamity? Like every time, uh, if somebody said hide, they always stayed true. You always got to hide. You the yeah. hide. I'll throw you a hide. Yeah. Okay, sure. 
They said I'd give you an ochre. Ochre was, was a time bomb. Was a it was like, oh no. I'm pretty sure ochre. I slipped uh, calamity in for ochre a bunch of times. So. <laughs> it's just for something about it, it's not as good as hide. Just so you guys know, hope hide and ochre are the one level. So if you only have one city, yeah. the thing you can get that has very low value. Yeah, yeah. So it's just the, it's a garbage card. It's it's fine at the beginning, but it quickly quickly loses value by the end. By I'd say mid to end game. Um, yeah, so it's the thing that you throw in to make a trade three because you have to make it three. And that's it. You've got a hand size of eight as well. So you can't just sit there infinitely collecting stuff because then nobody would ever trade with anyone because there's zero incentive to. You're just eventually going to have the cards for the most part. Um, so I do want to make um, a criticism of the game we played. So there was two main issues I found that not only dragged the game out, but it was an attempt to speed up the game, but I think also had some lingering consequences. The first of which is that we played the game and there was a three limit or three minute time limit, I believe. Was it three or four minutes, Joel? Three. Three minute time limit Painful. on all trading phases, which was way too quick because that barely lets you do one trade with one person, especially if you're trying to go back and forth and you've got a guy talking in your ear and who's asking about this. Three minutes felt way too strict. And I would always finish a trade with one guy and turn to the other guy and we'd Just have in what, time. We, what each other wanted and we'd be ready and, mm, nope, time's up. Yeah. And it was because one of our guys was trying to get out of there by seven. Yeah. And that's fine. It's But you got to realize, and I'm pretty sure you knew too, that like a game like that, it's going to take longer than nine hours, especially when you're playing with seven people. We even we didn't even have full amount of people. And uh, so the problem is like trades were, they felt a little rushed. Um, I think we had, had if we had had four or five minutes, I think that would have been perfect. And it's that's not a long amount of time. It's really not brutal. Um, so because trades, if you have an open-ended trade, that's dumb. People will just keep trading for 10, 15 minutes, and the game will just stretch on forever. But on the other hand, I stopped. I, I kept forgetting to put a timer on once he left. And I, well, I think we all were kind of we trained kinda, like dogs yeah, at yeah, that yeah. point too. It's true, yeah. But we also like people just want to move. Like nobody's purposely. It's when you get somebody who thinks they're. I don't know, like uh, Joe Schmo just sitting there like, well, I don't know. I don't want to deal with you. What about you? And then you come back. I do want to deal with you. It's like, just make up your mind. Come on, man. It's One of my favorite things is at the beginning of the game, nobody wants to talk about giving away calamities. Yeah. By the end of the game, everyone's openly, ah, yeah, and I'll throw you a calamity. And yeah. Say, okay, but what calamity? Which one? And then look at the calamity. Oh, that's not so bad for me. I'll take it. Well, it's because <laughs> you've developed all these technologies that mitigate most of them, too. It's yeah. like some of them are outright nullified, like superstition. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I fixed that. We talked time, about yeah. how callous we become towards them too. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Ah, whatever. Yeah, it's fine because you can recover, especially some of these things like a flood. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. One of these things though is uh, I can't remember. It's like you reduce down to three, but you like oh, music geez. and art and a co- another one yeah, will yeah. make it so you can be up to six. Yeah. And I traded it for a treachery, and I was convincing the guy that wasn't so bad because he had music. Yeah. But he still went from nine cities to four cities. It's brutal. That's like two turns maybe of rebuilding. Maybe only one turn at that stage in the game, but... So the point you're trading is getting so advanced that not only are you telling the truth that you're giving yeah, a calamity, yeah. you're telling the truth that you're giving a level seven brutal calamity, and yeah. then you're just trying to tell them, oh, please take it. Just, but... Yeah. You got to wonder is if that was a symptom of the game, is it just a natural development of the fact that you can mitigate most of these disasters more? Or was the fact that it had been going on for so long that people just kind of stopped caring a little bit? What do you think? Yeah, so that's one thing we haven't mentioned is that uh, there are texts that give you active abilities, such as coinage, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You modify your taxes to manipulate how many people you end up getting out. But... Um, uh, the most of the techs are defensive techs, yeah. uh, and by defensive I mean 
X calamity does less to you. Yeah. And some of the active texts, like I said, like road building will actually make calamities worse. Yeah. So some aggravate and some uh, mitigate. And it's like, and the other problem too is this, and I didn't notice it until this time. I only played it twice, including this time, but I've sat in on you playing, I think twice myself. So I feel like I have a bit of an idea of it, but for personally this time, something that really bugged me was that um, the the tech cards, like we were saying, they all have discounts. And some of them are very clear on the discount they provide, <laughs> and some of them are very some obtuse. Of them they don't even say it on the card. They don't even say it on the card. So you have to look through the the book, There's basically. Chart, yeah. the, or the chart, excuse me. Um, so, which is an extremely unfriendly mechanic that just, there's no way to excuse it beyond the fact that they just couldn't print it on the card or they didn't like think to do it because every, the vast majority of cards are very explicit sort of on what they provide. The issue is that on the front, so you have a neat little, you have the word of it and a little symbol and you have these little colored symbols on the bottom that are different shapes, which indicate the discounts they provide to text of those colors later on. Uh, so you think, you look at this card and you just see, okay, five, five blue. All right, well, it's nothing special, but it's cheap. I get it. But then you flip it over, and it provides, like, a bunch of other things to like some a, other stuff. A 25 discount to this obscure red one. And yeah. it's like, well, they're not the same color. How yeah, you... but there's zero indication beyond, like, you really have to. So you want to have the cards flipped over to look at what they're doing, but you need to have them flipped over to the other side to look at this. And it's just it may sound petty and small, but when you're in the middle of this game, you're already thinking about a dozen different things, paying attention to the... The, the tech requirements and the tech discounts, which can make or break. Like, if you can buy something in that turn, you should always buy that on that turn, unless it's going to split up a set that you know you can finish. Um, but in general, that was just one of the, the things that really started to aggravate me after a certain point, because I think I could have done other things if I'd kept that, if I'd actually paid more attention to the way these cars were offering discounts and uh, maybe move forward in different directions. Yeah, doesn't it turn your head around like... All the things you got to think about. Yeah. And you know what? We played a mostly peaceful game. Like Joel and I were neighbors and we could have, I think starting a fight with somebody right off the bat is a terrible way to go because it just disadvantages both of you. It's you should sign peace treaties with your neighbors almost instantly. And as long as, because there's usually plenty of space. That's the thing. It's when players get greedy. That's when wars start because you can usually carve out spaces and you can look at these, the different spots that makes a city easier to build because cities either need 12 people or six. Um, and there's usually enough six spots split up between players that you can all coexist peacefully and just kind of do your thing. Um, but I noticed that when we played, um, this one guy was extremely aggressive right off the get-go and there was a fight, I think, in the first turn over, or there was a war, maybe by turn two, people were invading and trying to destroy each other. Which is crazy because you have like four people. Yeah, which it was just very unusual. It was fun to watch, but uh, I think it definitely... I think they took each other out out of the running. Yeah. Well, he came second though. Yeah. Yeah. But once once his opponent walked away from the game, yeah. he took the whole. Yeah, good point. He just like spread out that way. Um, but that was the other part that I found. So the game dragged, and they had never played it before. So I found there were some turns where it felt like people were planning their movements. Whereas like you you eventually get to the point in the game where you're just asking the person next to you or in front of you, was like, "Are you doing something that's going to affect me? Are you going to do something that's affecting me? Okay, I'm just doing my t- my I'll movement. Just, I'll just go. I'm just going. I like because <laughs> it's unless you're in war with them or they're playing something sneaky. You really don't need to pay too much attention to some of that stuff, which... But you know, I mean, I wouldn't say the game was ruined, but I would say that the worst thing of the game and the thing that really 
just drew dragged it out into this kind of foregone conclusion was the two people walked away from the game. It, it throws off the balance because it, all of a sudden there was just this huge surplus of land and people and. I think, yeah, that's a good point. So that's part of, I think, where the callousness sort of came from was that just that there was no need for conflict anymore. We now had so much space, and there was no need to fight over here. There's no need to f- Everyone was hitting, like, nine cities, eight cities. Like, you get a calamity, oh, you go to eight. Oh, you're at nine. Okay. And the other thing I was going to say before you go on is that at one point, um, the way the nine cards work is you get money. You have to tax the people every turn. And that's where coinage comes in, this tech that Joel was talking about. Is you can control the amount. You always have the tax of something. But you can either drop taxes to one per city, or you can bump them up to three or keep them at two. And when you have $18 worth of stuff in your treasury on your turn, you can, when you're buying, uh, getting resources based on cities, you can buy a level nine card. And those are gold and ivory. And those are the highest value sets you can get. So what you want to do is you want to build up these sets, and then you want to trade away your ivory for somebody who has gold and vice versa. Um, but what happened is, is that there's some calamities in there. Is there one or two? One. There's one calamity in there, and it's randomly shuffled into the bottom three. And what happened is, is that people start going through it, going through it, and then when you see those last three, it's like, okay, let's roll the dice because I, I want me some gold. And then I pick up something. It's not a calamity. Somebody else picks up something. It's not a calamity. And then there's that last card there, and you know it's a calamity, and it's a nasty one, piracy. Basically, if you have a coastal city, all of a sudden, yo-ho-ho, uh, not your city no more. Two of them. <laughs> Two of them. And you have to beat them. It takes a significant amount of resources to defeat this city. So what happened was people sat there looking at these level nine cards and nobody wanted it because they knew it was a calamity that was just, just waiting like a bear trap with with nothing in it. So the only way to get rid of it is to stick your hand in the bear trap to just pull it out for no reason. And it was really hilarious because I'm just sitting there uh, happily on eight with this huge population uh, surplus wasn't about to go to nine because all of a sudden I'm automatically getting that card. Yeah, and that was a weird meta game sort of decision making that I think wasn't the intention of the game, or the game didn't want you to have to make because at that point we could have made an exception and shuffled it in. I would have done it. Uh, Rodrigo did f- also figure out that it was slightly darker than the other ones. Yeah, is... yeah, he was ma- he was looking at it the whole time. <laughs> That's the cards are miscolored at times. Uh, but what upset me was that um, when we were playing, I at one point I had no coastal cities. And I said, I, I will take, if somebody buys it, I will take the calamity from them. I'm not spending money on it, but I can absorb it. You can Good trade it to me. Jack. Um, and, that, and nobody took the bait. Nobody, or not the bait, nobody took the offer. And then that turn, um, I'm doing my thing and I'm getting distracted. And Rodrigo's, and I'm on the phone, Rodrigo's trading with me. And I, I knew he bought it. <laughs> And, but I've already, I said, I will not expand to these locations this turn. If somebody wants to do it, just pass it to me and I'll absorb it. And I absor- and nobody does it. So I move out and I expand, do my things in my coastal cities. And then Rodrigo buys it and trades me piracy that turn. I said, what the? Rodrigo, I just told you, you did, I would take your piracy. You didn't, but you should have told me. So I didn't move all my stuff to the places where pirates could get my things. I was just furious. I was, I was really annoyed at that part. He really ruined your game a couple times then. Right off the bat, you just uh, I wouldn't say ruined that journey to your prime real estate. (laughs) Yeah, like he starts out. Crete has a rough beginning in the sense you have to sort of know what you're doing because you have to. You're on islands and they're fertile islands. You can really build cities quickly, but you need boats and you need to move people and you really need to balance where you're sending your guys because you're you're on a the beginning of the game can be very tricky for Crete. 
So what Rigo does, instead of doing his natural expansions, it would be like War 3. Instead of expanding in your own base, you go up to your enemies and build in his expansion. <laughs> Let's say StarCraft, uh, you pick up your your, tra- uh, your command center and drop it on yeah, the walls. Yeah, just start building behind him, I guess. And But in this case, it was just like, you got tons of space. In fact, Illyria is giving you tons of time here. I guess he just didn't want to start a fight with him or he was trying to be aggressive. Because, like, we all shared, more or less. I don't think I attacked. I, re- I attacked Rodrigo once, I think, that game. But... Uh, once it didn't matter, right? Yeah, once it didn't matter because it, we we reached this equilibrium more or less there. And I thought, were you happy with your position? Did you were you happy with the? How could I not be? Right, I got exactly what I wanted, and nobody really challenged me for it. Yeah. And Rodrigo did at the end sort of recognize, okay, uh, Joel's at in points. I want to catch up, and he started actively attacking me. Yeah. But at that point, it's just, it was just like, go for it, man! Like this is just it's not it's too little, too late. It, <laughs> I haven't played the game nearly enough, but to me it seems like being a warlike culture is not the way to go forward because it's such an investment in resources and the tech, you really have to focus. You have to start with metalworking, which just gives you attack first, and then you got to go to engineering if you really want a bonus to attack. But that's assuming the other person hasn't done the exact same things. No, I, I wanted to ask you about this because here, here's the thing. Hypothetically, we play Advansive tomorrow. Yeah. What's your tech? Um, it depends. What are you talking about? Like, where am I going right to? Or Yeah, what's your path? What are your first three? Just forget about <laughs> yeah, what yeah. you get in resources and everything. Let's say you can afford it. If it's well, are we assuming mysticism like everyone does mysticism? and uh, Well, that's, you know, every, a lot of people did that, but uh, I'm, sorry, I'm not so sure anymore. Well, I didn't get hit with any of that stuff. So mysticism was essentially worthless to me beyond the discounts and the, the small point value. I thought coinage worked very nicely for you. I liked the idea to be able to control that because there was once or twice where I, I had to catch myself from like doing something <laughs> or else I'd have a tax revolt on my hands there. And I was like, oh, I was, I was kind of tugging my collar a little bit there. Um, <laughs> yeah, coinage, I think if you can afford it, I think I'm going to go that every time. Yeah, it, coinage, I think agriculture would be really good to have mm, yeah. as well. And I think metalworking... Or mining, excuse me, I think is something that's... If re- you can, but you've got to get engineering. you got to get engineering first. But engineering is like, it's kind of, and ro- like, I'd say agriculture and road building is like the, would be the rapid fire, like sort of like, I'm, I'm building like crazy. And road building is scary because all of a sudden you can attack people way easier. So I almost through feel like... Through cities. It, through cities and stuff. So I think if you did, if you, I'd like to try an agro build in, <laughs> in Civ and be, because something we did for the first time is that if you totally destroy a city and that you put enough people there to eradicate everyone that was in that spot of the enemy you get to a take a random resource from their hand which could be incredible and you get the option to pillage the city which is take three dollars in taxes basically um and we were doing this a couple times i think we forgot a couple times and it made and it would have affected me because i treacheried treacherized treacherous somebody and they destroy my city but they should get a card from that i don't think they did in the first time and i didn't notice it until they somebody did to me another time, mm, yeah. and then it was like, oh, okay, you're supposed to take. Oh, you're supposed to take a card for me, like turn two. But <laughs> I don't know. It's what would you do? Same thing. No, I think um, I want to play the uh, coinage medicine. Yeah, medicine was so useful. It's epidemic is a four. Yeah, and it affects that. You can choose. You can be randomly victimized by someone. Like we were saying, across yeah. the map, they can. <laughs> also, happens all the time. It happens so frequently because it's. Fours are who who doesn't have four cities? Yeah. Almost everybody always has four cities. Yeah. The cards always being drawn. Yeah. How many epidemics did we see? Tons. Yeah. 
And if you're doing well, you're getting 10 yeah. every time. So in... And that's another reason why being warlike isn't the best choice because, <laughs> like, if people can secondary target you, you're going to get secondary targeted every time. And that's on top of all the calamities you've managed to acquire. It's, I don't know, it, it, we don't play the game nearly enough, and it is such a long investment, and getting people to stick it out the entire time is something yeah. that it's tricky. But it would be fun to play around with builds and see what people do differently. Yeah, It's one of those games where on the map you don't really want to be first. No. But yeah, I, I don't know what to say. It's, it's more that the, the strategies are not obvious. Let's just say that. And you are at the mercy of your draws and how good you are at trading. And it, this is the last thing we'll say is that if you are a meek person, if you are somebody that is not good at putting yourself out there and inserting yourselves into deals that are occurring, because there's one guy there who was saying, nobody's dealing with me. Nobody's talking to me. Well, good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to have a good time. Um, oh, that's it, eh? That's it for today. Advanced Civilization. Good luck finding a copy. Although we saw one that wasn't too bad on Board Game Beat, didn't we? The second no, it was, like, it was like at this trading event. So the, the price got auto-generated, but it oh, was not okay. for sale. Okay. But, yeah, so good luck finding one. <laughs> or you can just print and play it. Like, so can, advanced. Yeah. And it is different from Sid Meier's Civilization, so don't get confused with that. It's yeah. similar, but different. One of a kind. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Have a good day. Stay gaming. Keep listening. Bye. <laughs>